episode number 23. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from Authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff in this week's Higher Life Podcast. This week, it's Parshish Devarim. The Torah portion of the week is going to be Devarim, what's so special about the Jews living up to the double standard? We're going to have a powerful parable about the sign in the shop, a great story about Revitz Chachutner, and peace in your home, eliminate the negative influence. So I want to start out with Parshish Devarim, which always falls around Tishabov. And that's because we know that Parsha Devarim starts with a rebuke, the rebuke that Moses gave to the Jewish people. So the Pasuk says, These are the words that Moses spoke to all of Yisrael. Elo Devarim asher diber Moshe l'kol Yisrael, to all the Jewish people. So Rashi there explains these are the words. We want to leave it a little bit hidden, what's going on here. Why? For the covet of Yisrael. That's why it says Devarim. It doesn't say specific. And also it's hidden in the words of the specific places that each place is a sort of a tachacha, a rebuke, without actually mentioning the actual sin that occurred in that place. We go by the places instead. Why? All this for the honor of Yisrael. Even though we're being rebuked, Moshe did it with covered for the covered of the Jewish people. And now this rebuke always falls just before Tishbov, and I just want to tell you what happened there with Tishbov. There's a Gemara in Shabbos on 119b that says, Jerusalem was destroyed only because the people did not rebuke one another for the misdeeds. And the Chazal says, their princes have become as deer, that find no pasture. Just as each deer butts its head into the tail of the front, so to those who live in a generation set their faces to the ground and do not, they don't rebuke one another, and therefore spiritually they're stuck. The temple was destroyed because of this. There's no way to have progress. How are people are supposed to grow if nobody tells each other what's wrong? So the famous story of Bar Kamsa. A certain man had a friend named Kamsa and an enemy called Bar Kamsa. So what happened is the man invited, wanted to invite Kamsa, and by mistake, his servant went over to Bar Kamsa and invited him. And Bar Kamsa sitting there at the meal. And the one giving the suit sees him sitting there. And he says, you got to get out of here. So he begged to stay because he didn't want to be embarrassed. So then he offered to pay for half the meal. He offered to pay for the full meal. He didn't care. He kicked him out. The problem was the rabbis were sitting there. They didn't say anything. This is what really got him so aggravated. Since the rabbis just sat there and didn't object to the way I was treated. Therefore, he went to the Roman Empire and that caused the destruction of the Jewish people. So we see that the rabbis did not rebuke the one who gave the surah. He should have at least told them, calm down, relax, let him stay. Nobody spoke up. Nobody gave rebuke. And it caused the destruction of the temple. And nobody gave honor to Bar Kamsa, even though he was a bit of a low guy, but still they, didn't give, they should have gave him honor, the basic honor of human being, and nobody gave that, and that caused the destruction in the temple. So on one side, you see you have the power of rebuke, that you have to tell the other person what the problem is, you have to tell the side, the rabbis have to tell people what's going wrong. On the other side, you see that there has to be covered, there has to be honor to, for all human beings. Now Rev Noam Elimelech points out, that this idea of rebuke is actually connected up with the honor of the Jewish people. I want to quote you the Rashi. The Rashi says, On the words, The Pasuk says specifically that he spoke to every Jew. Moshe gave rebuke to every Jew. So Rashi there explains that every Jew, he wanted to bring every Jew together so that none of them could say, Hey, I wasn't there, but if I was there, I would have spoke up against Moshe. 
Nobody can say that. But Rav Noam Elimelech wants to bring out a tremendous chiddush here. You got to hear this. He says, in this Pasuk, we can learn how to really serve God. How can God's nation serve God? So we know there's a famous formula. Chassidim say it, the Mitznagdim say it, maybe on Pesach. We know that it says it there in the Sefer, Yesod V'shor Shavoda. L'shem Yichud. That before you do a mitzvah, there's a L'shem Yichud that you can say. Which says, for the sake of the unification of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah, in other words, by doing the mitzvah, you're bringing the presence of God into the world. And for the sake of Kol Yisrael, the same lashon, for the sake of all the Jewish people. So Rav Noam Elimelech says, if you say this before you do a mitzvah, you'll have a tremendous spiritual awakening, and you'll feel tremendous inspiration from it. But he wants to explain it. We know that in Kehelis, it says there's no person, righteous person, that does not sin. Every person sins. There was only a couple people that didn't sin. I think six people. So he has a question, how is it possible that people can serve God when people sin with their, with their same hand that sin, they're not going to use that same hand to serve God? It doesn't line up. How can he bring holiness on himself, if, on his body, if that same body sinned? How is the holiness going to penetrate him? So he wants to say that when you say, call Yisrael, for the unification, for the sake of all Yisrael, there's a spiritual realm called Kol Yisrael. We know the Baal Shem Tov also talks about this. There's a concept, there's a reality called all the Jewish people as a whole, as a cloud, as the concept of the Jewish people. And that concept of the Jewish people is completely whole and unblemished because collectively as a nation, the Jewish people are considered completely Sadiqim. Like the Pasuk in says, your whole nation are Sadiqim. So in general, the Jewish people are righteous people. Even if there happens to be certain individuals that sin, but if you connect yourself up with Klau Yisrael, with the nation as a whole, you are connecting up with the holiness of the nation. It says the Satan can't even enter in there. We know that it's called Adam Akadmon. It's a Kabbalistic concept. The original man, Adam Akadmon. And we know that man, which is Yaakov, is on the Kiseya Kavod, on God's throne. So on one side of the throne is man. That's Adam Arishon, Adam Akadmon. That's Yaakov Ovino, the Jewish people. The purpose of creation. Because we were put here to bring God into the world. And if a person could connect up at that level of being part of the Jewish people, he connects himself up with holiness. Even if he as an individual sinned, he can now rectify himself by connecting himself with the Jewish people as a whole. So this is the point. In the same verse where Moshe Rabbeinu is giving us rebuke, he's hinting to the fact that Rekla Yisrael, that we are the holy great people, the people created to bring God into the world. And that is a goof, a part of the rebuke. The greatest way you can give your children rebuke is to say to them, that's not fitting for you. It doesn't fit you to do such a thing. It's below your level. That's how the person's going to change when he realizes who he is. I want to bring Rav Chaim Shmuelovich. And this week's parsha also talks about rebuke. And he brings the Midrash that says the essence of Tochacha, the essence of rebuke comes from here. Listen to this. Unbelievable. Rav Shimon ben Eliezer said, Woe to us on the day of judgment. Woe to us on the day of rebuke. Yosef was the youngest of the tribes, and yet his brothers were overwhelmed. They could not answer him. Certainly, this will be the case when the Holy One rebuke each of us 
and everyone according to his deeds. In other words, on the final day of judgment, when we go up to heaven, we won't be able to answer. So as Yosef was the youngest of the brothers, and the other brothers couldn't answer him. This is the essence of rebuke. So the famous Kasha, Rav Kamshmulovich, uh, the Beis Alevi, is where's the rebuke? Go look in the Pesukim over there by Yosef and see the rebuke that he gave his brothers. He didn't say a word to them. What did he, what did he say to them? Did he tell them off? So the answer is, the rebuke was, he said, Ani Yosef. When he said, I'm Yosef, that was the rebuke. Why? Because they all sold him. They claimed he was a liar. He was making up these dreams. And he was making up a dream. They're all going to bow down to him. In the end, they saw it was true. They saw it was a true prophecy. When he said, Ani Yosef, they saw that they were wrong. What greater rebuke can there be than that? And this is the essence of Tochacha. This is the essence of rebuke. Seeing that you're wrong, realizing that you lived your life in the wrong way, based on the wrong premises. You lived your life a lie. That's the rebuke. And that's why they compare the Yom Adin to Yom Tachacha. Your judgment and rebuke are one and the same. When a person realizes that he made a mistake his entire life, what could be a greater punishment than that? It happens in people's lives. And hopefully it will happen in ours also. Even after 20 years, 20 years of educating your kids the wrong way, but maybe you wake up and you realize, hey, I did the wrong thing. What a rebuke. And he brings another example from the Yachid Shmoni by Yitzchak. It says, Yitzchak, in the Pasuk in Bereshi, he says, And Yitzchak trembled an exceedingly great trembling. When he realized that he gave the bracha to Yaakov instead of Esav, he trembled. So Rav Chama says there, And exceedingly implies that it was even greater than the trembling that took place at the altar when Avram was about to sacrifice him. He trembled more when he realized that he gave the bracha to Yaakov than he trembled when he was about to be shacked, about to be killed by his father Avram on the altar. So what was he trembling about? Because he realized at that point, his entire perspective was off. He thought that Esav was the one that was supposed to get the bracha. He thought all the generations of the Jewish people were going to come from Esav. But at that point, when God changed everything around, he realized that, hey, it was really Yaakov that was supposed to get the bracha. And he realized that all his days, he made a mistake. And that is the tochacha, realizing that you're wrong. So what's our tochacha? What tochacha are we having now? The temple is destroyed. The Arabs are fighting against us. The whole world is turning against us. There's riots in France, in Germany, everywhere, in Miami, they're destroying shuls. Tochacha, rebuke, we're being rebuked. What are we being rebuked for? And why does the world demand from us that we live by a double standard? It's like clear, it's like obvious. Ah, so they killed 250 people in Syria, no big deal. They killed three Palestinians, oy vavoy. And everybody accepts it as a double standard. You can't even talk about it, it's like normal, because the reality is, it's true. We are judged by a double standard because we have our Jews and we have to live by a double standard. And that's what Rav Noam Elimelech was saying. Klal Yisrael. We have to hook up with the Jewish people. We have to become part of the whole Jewish people, the holy people. It's demanded upon us that we are holy. And yes, we need to live by a double standard because we were created to bring God into the world. We are the Kohenim of the nations, the priest of the nations. Now, even though we hold we're better and we're the chosen people, we're not racist. It's called ethnocentric. We hold we are the best. But anybody could join with us. You want to join? Come. But when a convert comes, what do we tell him? If you look over there in Hilchus B, at chapter 14, the first halacha there, the Rambam says like this. What is the procedure when accepting a righteous convert? One of the Gentiles comes to convert. We inspect his background. If an alternative motive for conversion is not found, we ask him. 
Why do you choose to convert? Don't you know in the present era, that was talking about the time of the Rambam, it's talking about all through history, and it's always going to be like this, the Jews are afflicted, crushed, subjugated, strained, and suffering comes upon them. This is what we tell the convert. We know it. It's a fact. It's going to happen. We're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. You want to convert? If he answers, I know. I still want to be a part of them. We accept him. So what is all this tochacha? What is all this rebuke of all the generations? of Hitler and Spain and France, everywhere, what's going on? God demands from us that we be a holy people. It says in B'chuchosai, and this is to the answer to why there is anti-Semitism. It's built into the reality. God will not let us assimilate, and he demands from us holiness. It's before the Torah itself. It says in Parshish B'chuchosai, in Pasuk Yudal, but if you will not listen to me and will not perform all of these commandments, and if you will consider my decrees revolting, and if your being rejects my ordinances, so as not to perform my commandments and to annul my covenant, then I too will do this to you. I will assign over you panic and wasting away and the fever causing your eyes to pine and your souls to feel anguish. You will sow your seed in vain and your enemies will eat it and I will direct my face against you. You will be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you will subjugate you. You will flee, but there will be no one pursuing you. And if during these you don't heed me, it's going to get worse. I will increase tormenting you. Seven for your sins. I will break the pride of your might. I will make the heavens like iron and your land like copper. Your strength will be spent in vain. And it goes on and on and on. This is written before in the Torah. You want to know the source of anti-Semitism? It's right there. It's written. It's clear. And why is this true? Because we are commanded to be holy. We have to be a holy people. We have to live by the double standard. Listen to this. Rev Chaim Shmuel Lovich also brings in this week's Parsha. It says, Kedoshim to you. You shall be holy. I would think that this means it's holy as God. Man, human being has to be holy like God. Therefore, he says, the next passage says, for I am holy. In other words, my holiness is superior to yours. So the Midrash says, I would think this means as exalted as God himself. Therefore, it says, Rock, only God is higher. So Rav Chaim Shemuel this is unbelievable. How could a person think that he could be holy like God? If it wasn't for Chazal telling us this, you wouldn't think it possible. You wouldn't even have the chutzpah to have such a thought. But Chazal tells us, yes, Jews can be holy like God. And we're demanded and commanded to be. There's articles being written now by converts who recently converted or converted within the past couple of years. Now that this thing is happening with the anti-Semitism and shuls are being destroyed in Miami and all over the world because of this war that's going on. They're saying they're scared. They didn't really think, they didn't really believe, even though we know the Rambam tells them, that, and that's what we do, that's the halacha. We tell them that that's what's going to happen to you. They said they didn't really believe that this is going to happen to them. And they're a little bit torn. The fact is, no, the Chazal is true. We're going to be, what does it say? Afflicted, crushed, subjugated, strained, and suffering. That's the facts. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that it has to be this way. Because we follow in the ways of the Torah, just the opposite. Also in B'chukosai, if you look over there, if we go in the ways of the Torah, we will bring all the blessings, and we will bring the blessings to the world. And the world will be blessed. It's because of us that there's no blessings in the world. So you see, interestingly enough, you have together these two ideas. You have the tochacha, the rebuke, but together you have the honor of the Jewish people. It goes together. Our honor and who we are is really connected with the rebuke that we need to receive. I want to bring down another thing that Rev. Noam Elimelech says, that inside the Pasuk is also the answer, listen to this, which is Shabbos. 
we know that the root of all sin comes from the original sin, which was the eating of the tree of knowledge. So he said, when that happened, 39 curses came onto the world. 39 curses, and we're living in that cursed world. So what fixes that? Shabbos. Because Shabbos has 39 forbidden categories of work. And if we keep Shabbos, which is only for the Jewish people, and if we keep Shabbos, we rectify the sins of Adam Arishon, the original man. It says there in Gemara Shabbos, anyone who keeps a Shabbos, even if he worships idols like the generation of Enosh, he's still forgiven. Shabbos is the foundation of being a Jew. And it's in the Pasuk. Listen to this. The Gemara in Shabbos says like this, Eila Adavarim, the word Eila. They have a gematria there that the way the word Eila comes out to 39, which is a reference to Shabbos. It says the hay makes an extra three. You have 36, it comes out to 39, according to that Gemara. 39 is a reference to Shabbos. So in the Pasuk, Eila Adavarim, Hashem tells us how to connect up with the Jewish people. What's point to king for? What's the first move? If a person is far away from Yiddishkeit, what's the first thing you should do to get back? Shabbos. The Lubavitcher Rebbe was right by giving out Shabbos candles. We want to bring Jews back? Shabbos. Shabbos is a thing that's going to connect us up to the Jewish people, to reconnect us to being Jews. So with all the rebuke that we're receiving nowadays, all the anti-Semitism that's coming out of the woodwork, we have to get back to keeping Shabbos. The Jews will come back. The temple will come back. The destruction of the temple is because we didn't give honor to one each other. What does that mean? It also means we don't give honor to ourselves. We don't know who we are. When we start to understand who we are, that we're part of Klai Yisrael, we're a holy people, and give honor to each other, and give honor to ourselves, so then the Mashiach will come and the temple will be rebuilt. So this week's parable is about, guess what? Shabbos. It says like this, the sign in the shop. If you have a shop owner and he hangs a sign out, so everybody knows his shop is still open. People can see what he has for sale. Even if he says, I'll be back in two weeks, I'll be back in a month, but everybody still knows the shop is still open. But if he takes the sign off and there's no sign, nothing written there, everybody assumes that this guy is gone, he left town, and his shop is vacant. He must have gone somewhere else. So what's the nimshal? Shabbos. As long as a Jew keeps Shabbos, everybody knows that he's connected up with the Jewish people. It says, It's a sign between him and us, a sign to attest to the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and the seventh day he ceased to work and rested. This is the sign, this is the simon, this is the os between God and the Jewish people. The fact that the Jews keep Shabbos is the greatest proof that there's a God in the world. Because the Jew is attesting that he has faith. He believes that his parnasa is going to come from God. He's not going to work on Saturday, and he can't work on Sunday either. So where is the money coming from? He admits the money comes from God. And everybody sees what's going on with these Jews. They dress different on Shabbos. They eat different on Shabbos. They don't do work on Shabbos. They don't drive on Shabbos. Everybody sees it. It's a sign between God and the Jewish people. So as long as that sign is out, the shop is still open. Jew is still a Jew. He's still in charge of the store. He's still in business as a Jew. But as soon as he takes a sign off, that's it. The Chazal says that anyone who violates the Shabbos, it's as if he denied the entire Torah. He's out of business as a Jew. And that's why it's so important for us to keep Shabbos. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. 
I want to speak about Rav Yitzchak Hutner, Rosh Hashiva from last generation in Brooklyn, New York. So his Talmud says like this, At the hands of the Rosh Hashiva, each and every Maimra Chazal, every word of Torah of the rabbis, emerged as a unified account of the matters and issues of awesome cosmic significance. He says, at this level of seriousness, there are no coincidences. Each apparent detail is part of an essential element in a larger drama, unfolding across the millennium. In other words, Rev. Hutner had such a grasp on the Torah and the words of Chazal, the words of the rabbis, that when he spoke, it was part of a unified whole. It wasn't just a detail, one particular thing. He was able to connect the dots, and he showed the depth of the understanding of the rabbis. He says like this. He says it was very uplifting. It was uplifting because the glimpse of the true level of the participants in this drama. He, you could see from the Chazal, the way he spoke, you understand that the rabbis understood what reality was about and how it was unfolding. We have a tradition of how things are going to unfold and what things mean. He was able to give that over to Talmudim. He says it was also uplifting because it's, you saw the stature of the historians of the drama. You could see the, the unbelievable understanding of the rabbis. How could they understand to this level of what's happening in reality? They had a grasp on reality that was beyond human comprehension. And the third thing he says that was uplifting about li listening to Rev Hutner was that the drama is not unfinished. In other words, we also have part of the drama. We're also part of the history. Rav Hutner was able to bring out that each individual was also a part of the unfolding of history, which gives chashivas an importance to what the individual is doing and how it fits into the bigger picture. In other words, our own learning, our tefillah, our, our davening, and Shabbos, Yom Tov, all these things were also a part of the history and the future of the Jewish people, our individual actions. And he says, when you heard the Rosh Hashiva speak, you were able to understand the importance of what you were doing with your life. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rabbi Vigdor Miller speaks about the need to eliminate negative influence from your house. I really should have spoke about this last week because this is the exact pasuk. It says, Tzur Tov. First you have to get rid of the bad, then you have to do the good. So how do we see that? We see Sarah threw Yishmael out of the house because Yishmael couldn't be there and the Pasuk says you should not bring an abomination into your house. It brings the Rambam that says that books of atheists is worse than idol worship. You shouldn't have these magazines, you shouldn't have trash in your house that your kids could pick up and read it. You have to get these things out of your house. You can't have the nonsense of the world inside the house. He says women shouldn't uh, gather to play cards, to pretend like it's Las Vegas, a little casino in the house. Parties that are not for a mitzvah are out of place. We don't have parties, Tom. We have a party for a mitzvah. A baby was born, a bris, a Jewish party. We shouldn't bring into our house this idea, this Goyish idea of having a cocktail party, walking around with a glass, talking men and women, talking together. Jewish way, if you see a Jewish home, when you have a simcha, a bris, a baby was born, the men go to one side, the women go to the other side. The men talk about the men's thing, and the women talk about the men's thing, the women thing. We don't mix together. Not a Jewish idea. We have to get these negative influences out of our house, these ideas. And he says, God forbid a person should have a television in his house. Sounds like I'm saying extreme things, but it's really obvious. What are you bringing? He used to say, I know it's a famous quote of his, is that having a television in your house is like flushing a toilet into your living room. Would you do such a thing? No, but that's what it is. Especially nowadays, what's going on television. We're talking about his time in the 50s. Can you imagine nowadays what he would say? He says a base Yaakov girl should get married as soon as possible after graduation. The longer she hangs around in the house, hanging around, that's going to 
lower her level, her level of spirituality, which we got, which she got from the school. And he says, girls should dress properly even in the house. I, nobody sees them. They should just sneeze for their own self-dignity. Shouldn't be walking around in a tank top in the house. His point is like this. We, as a Jewish people, have a tradition to be holy. And we have to be holy in our house. And therefore, we have to get rid of any of the evil influences that are in our house. And we have to take them out. We have to go back to living like the old times. Because there is no difference between the old times and the new times. We still have to keep the holiness of our house. That's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. Please leave comments. And you can even leave a voicemail. And I'll put you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments.